Hello and welcome back to another edition of Big Red Huddle. Today is Saturday, March 2nd, 2024. Uh, on tap for you today, we are going to start with Nebraska basketball. We're about a week out here from Selection Sunday. Have some really exciting results and thoughts from the last week in Nebraska basketball. Uh, we're going to be light on Nebraska football this week. Just not a lot going on. We're in what I would call the dog days of the offseason. Uh, a couple nuggets there that we'll hit on. Um, spend a little bit more time with Nebraska baseball this week. Uh, some interesting results last weekend. Off to a quick start this weekend. So starting to get excited around Will Bolt's team. And then some interesting national storylines uh, that have hit the news here in the last seven days that I want to make sure we hit on. But with that, let's huddle up. And as I mentioned at top at the top of the show, we are going to start and be kind of heavy in Nebraska basketball here for probably the first half of the show. Uh, we have a couple of data points from this last week that I want to touch on and then spend some time uh, looking at uh, high level where where we're at. We're about a week, uh, two weeks out from Selection Sunday, a week out from the Big Ten tournament. Um, if we circle back to last Sunday, uh, just another dominating performance by Fred Hoiberg and the boys at home, 73-55. If you watch this game, within the first five, ten minutes, you could just tell that Nebraska had the, the higher energy. Uh, obviously off to a bit of a slow start there, um, but just, you know, relentless on the defensive side of, of the court. It was 28-20 at half, but again, felt really good about where things were trending just from an overall effort level perspective. Uh, Juwan Gary comes out hot in the second half, finishes with 22 points, four big three-point field goals there in the second half to help the, the team pull away. Game was never really in doubt two minutes into the second half. Um, it's becoming a broken record with this team, but it's a fun one. Uh, just different guys are stepping up in the scoring department night in and night out. So last Sunday, we had John Gary, 22, Bryce Williams, 15. Uh, Lawrence, who I'm really starting to get excited about, coming off of the bench with 11. 18-point um, victory, fourth consecutive uh, Big Ten game uh, with wins over 15 points. Uh, really set this team up nicely going into Thursday's game at Ohio State. Uh, I was really excited about the opportunity. We have been on this show breaking down this last seven-game stretch since the road game at Northwestern. Uh, really felt that going into that Ohio State game, that was the game that we could have really punched our ticket for. Unfortunately, come up short uh, in Columbus, 78-69 there. I didn't get to watch a lot of this one. I was following along on my phone. We had some family commitments that night. But just disappointing um, in the fact that Ohio State's best player was announced out just before the game, Bruce Thornton, uh, out with migraines. I saw that news about two hours before tip. was really um, excited about not only how we were playing. Um, obviously, Ohio State's been hot lately, but, I, you know, this is, I've seen some Husker fans get worked up over this loss. This is not a bad loss. This is a Q1 um, uh, game. It's a Q1 opportunity, if you will. Um, again, could have probably locked our spot up uh, with this win, but this is not a bad loss by any means. It doesn't hurt us. It doesn't change anything on the go forward. Simply put, it's a missed opportunity. Um and this team, and, and as we start to transition into kind of higher level, where, where this team goes from here, where, where we're looking at from a national perspective, 
this team still does not have a bad loss on the resume. Um, and, and a bad loss being defined as a Q3 or a Q4. Uh, we're undefeated in those games, one of the few teams in the country that don't have a bad loss. And so as you start thinking about tournament and selection and you start comparing resumes and looking at, should this team be in, should this team be out? When you put Nebraska's resume up against others, of every other team that they're going to be compared to has bad losses, um, at least one. And, and Nebraska doesn't have one of those yet. Um, potentially an opportunity for one coming up, but I don't expect that to happen. Um, and so when you start to look at the resumes again, I think Nebraska's in a really good spot. And then speaking of that, um, we've kind of been breaking down, you know, three or four different rankings over the last few weeks. Um, as of Saturday morning in the net, we're still 43rd. We were 43rd last week. We, we ticked up to 41st and I think maybe even hit 40th one day after the Minnesota game, after the Ohio State game lost, ticked back to 43. So really the net rankings at this point are pretty static um, outside of a, a major win or a really disappointing loss. Um, Nebraska doesn't have many of those opportunities or really any of those opportunities left. Um, so we're, we're really going to settle into that, you know, 40 to 45 line from a net perspective, which is, which is just fine. Um, all of the major... Um, publications, bracketologists, if you will, has Nebraska firmly in the field at this point. We're really not even on the bubble. We're not one of those last four in or even, you know, last four buys. We're, we're solidly in the in the tournament, in the bracket. ESPN, Joe Lenardi has us as a nine seed playing Mississippi State in Memphis. Uh, Jerry Palm, CBS, has us as a 10 seed, one of the top 10 seeds playing Nevada in Salt Lake City. Um, a fun site that I like to look at is Bracket Matrix. So it brings all of the bracketologists that put out brackets and really compiles them into um, <clears throat> into one bracket or seating, if you will. As of this morning, there was 112 brackets out there, I believe. We were in all 112 brackets. Uh, some brackets had us as high as a seven seed. I think that's a bit of a stretch. The lowest we were as as like an 11. Um, but most brackets have us in that 9 to 10 range. Um, and then when you compile that all up, we were either, I, I think on Bracket Matrix this morning, we were like the last 9 seed. We were, we've kind of bounced back and forth all week between that last 9 or that first 10 seed. So again, solidly in the tournament. Um, really at this point, Nebraska would have to play itself out of the tournament uh, versus playing ourselves in. Obviously, it's very possible with the schedule we have left to play us play ourselves out, but don't expect that to happen with the um, with this team and, and just the the overall maturity, if you will, of this team. And so for those of you that have been following along the last several weeks, we've we've kind of broken down these last seven games coming out of that Northwestern um, road road loss several weeks ago. And what we were saying in, on, on this show several weeks ago, these seven, <clears throat> which we should be favored in all, we weren't favored at Ohio State, but again, it was like two, two and a half, I think. But if we could go five and two, we thought we would be in the tournament. Six and one for sure, slam dunk in. Five and two, we should still be in. Uh, four and three is where we need to go to the Big Ten tournament and, and do some things. Well, as everybody knows, we won the first four, lost to Ohio State, so we're sitting at four and one with two games left. And really, this is where we start to talk about, you know, the potential for some some bad losses, if you will. 
not necessarily Q3 or Q4, although the Rutgers game could potentially be a Q3 loss. So this Sunday, tomorrow night, we've got Rutgers at home. They're 91st in the net, which would be a Q3 loss if it were to happen. I don't see under any way, shape, or form that we're losing to Rutgers at home, especially after what happened out at Rutgers last um, last month. This is very similar to that Minnesota game. Uh, revenge, it's senior night. Uh, PBA is going to be rocking. It has been rocking. It's been a very fun and cool environment to see. Uh, so we got Rutgers on Sunday. Then the boys get a week off next Sunday at Michigan. Michigan's 129 in the net which is obviously not good, but the fact that it's a road game still doesn't make it a Q3 game. It's actually a Q2 opportunity, if you will. Now, Michigan is a different team at home versus on the road. Their best player, if you remember, is not playing on the road uh, for academic reasons. He will be playing or should be playing uh, on next, next Sunday, but Michigan has just been awful. They lost by... 30 uh, to Rutgers last weekend. They play Mich or I'm sorry, they play Ohio State uh, this weekend, who's on a bit of a roll. So I would anticipate that one to potentially get ugly. At this at this point, Michigan's looking to fold up shop and, and get to the offseason, and we'll see what happens with Juwan Howard. But circling back to to what this means for Nebraska, we've got two extremely winnable games. Um, I don't see us losing at home versus Rutgers. Uh, at Michigan on the road, who who knows this team as we know have been. I mean, I I mean they, they play like a top ten team at home. They play like a middle to bottom conference uh, team on on the road at times. But I would expect we're going to get at least one of those two. So it's going to put us into that five and two range where I've said for weeks now that gets us in the tournament, probably around that ten or eleven seed. I want to see these guys. If you're a tournament team. If you're a special team that I think they are, and I know several of you think they are, they'll take care of business at home versus Rutgers. They'll take care of business next Sunday at a sleepy Michigan. Uh, a 6-1 and one finish, again, puts us solidly in the tournament. And something exciting here is, is so, so Wisconsin just lost to Illinois before taping here. That puts us up to the four seed in the Big Ten tournament. There's obviously a lot of basketball that will occur over the next week. Um, we're kind of fighting for that top four, which is a double bye with Northwestern, uh, Wisconsin, Michigan State. Now Michigan State plays uh, Purdue later today, so I think they're going to get they're going to fall there. Um, but so if you can take care of business versus Rutgers at Michigan, not only are you in the tournament, you probably have a double bye, top four seed in the Big Ten tournament. Um, then that provides you an opportunity for some more big wins. Q1, quad one, quad two wins. Uh, and then you start thinking about seeding. Uh, can you avoid that eight, nine line? Uh, can you get to a seven seed potentially? I think seven's probably your ceiling. I'd probably, this might be a bit of a hot take or or maybe a, you know, differs from others. I'd rather be a 10 seed than an eight, nine, right? If you're an eight, nine, you're assuredly playing a one in the second round. If you're a 10, you get a chance to play that two line. If you start to look at the one versus two, this is a very top-heavy bracket. You've got uh, UConn, Purdue, obviously, Houston in that one line. I wouldn't want to play any of those. You're not going you're, you're to pair up with Purdue, most likely being a conference opponent, but I don't want anything to do with UConn or anything to do with Houston necessarily. Maybe Arizona would be fine if they end up being that fourth number one. I'd rather slide to that two line, get like an Iowa State, a Kansas, somebody 
in in that type of of space if if we were to get through that first round and into the second round now some of you are probably saying hey, uh you, you, we're talking crazy here we haven't won a tournament game in our history and now you're talking about winning two and and I think this team is capable of they're they're a very tough matchup for several of these teams when you've got the scoring you do on the perimeter you've got the big men on the inside that can stretch and come out and like a rink mass hitting the three they're a tough matchup not not to mention Tomonaga who's just a pest they're a tough matchup for non Big Ten teams who aren't used to defending this offense and that doesn't account for the relentless defense that we've seen from this team as well so so yes I I if, if it's up to me give me a 10 over an 8 9 but let's play ourselves into a seven uh, where you got that same 10-7 matchup, but but maybe you've got a lesser opponent in that first round, and then you get the two seed in the second round. And, and I do think a Sweet 16 run is plausible for this team. But obviously a lot of work to do before then. Let's take care of business tomorrow night at Rutgers. Uh, that'll finish off the home slate with just one loss. It'll be the, the highest winning percentage and most wins in school history at home. Um, then at Michigan, the dead last team in the Big Ten, take care of business there. You don't want to lose to the 129th ranked team in the net going into the Big Ten tournament. Don't give the committee any reason at this point to leave you out because right now they've got every reason to keep you in. So very exciting time for Nebraska basketball. We will be on the air uh, probably Friday next week. Uh, we'll break down the Rutgers game. We'll start, start to look through the national picture once again see where that um, that that sets everything and then preview Michigan and then where we sit from a Big Ten standing perspective as we approach the tournament. So exciting times for Fred Hoiberg, exciting times for Nebraska basketball. Um, well, with that, let's transition into some football. Uh, Nebraska football right now, as I mentioned at the top of the show, we're kind of in what I would classify the dog days of the offseason. Um, I guess the best way to signify this is the biggest story of the week uh, that I came across was really around NIL and a beef jerky controversy. Yes, you heard that right, a beef jerky controversy. So a little bit of history here, if, if for those that aren't aware, when NIL went into place two, three years ago, one of the first um, companies, if you will, or, or items that was established was pipeline jerky, uh, which is jerky that you can go out and purchase and the proceeds go to the offensive line. Well, this week, 1890, who's the main collective for Nebraska, introduced a new beef jerky product called Cornhead Beef Jerky. Well, this ruffled the feathers of some uh, that have been a, a, a big proponent of pipeline jerky and, and asking the question, you know, why are you trying to steal market share from pipeline jerky, et cetera, et cetera. End of day, all of this money is good for Nebraska athletics. There's there's people that maybe don't like pipeline jerky that'll now purchase cornhead beef jerky. There's people that weren't even aware of pipeline jerky that hear about cornhead beef jerky because 1890 is so big and established. They may now try try pipeline jerky. This is a good thing for Nebraska athletics. This is not a th this is not something to get worked up over. And so it's you know I've kind of sat behind the scenes chuckling as I've seen you know war of words go back and forth on social media. I, I think when it comes down to 1890 and the pipeline jerky, though the leaderships of those two organizations, if you will, uh, they, there's there's no no problem with with 1890 introducing cornhead beef jerky, and in fact, I think pipeline jerky will get a bump from this as well. Um, but again, 
it 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 was late February. It's obviously now March, but it was late February when this was kind of introduced and and people were hearing about this for the first time. The fact is, is there's just <clears throat> excuse me, not a lot going on in Nebraska football at the moment. Uh, winter conditioning is in full force. Mat drills are ongoing with the uh, with with the coaches, the the ten main on field coaches leading those with obviously the strength and conditioning staff. There's a lot of fun videos online from Husker uh, football Twitter and others showing some of those workouts taking place. There's also a new uh, video series that the Husker football program has uh, filmed, produced, and now publishing. Uh, kind of a behind the scenes, if you will, of the off season. The first episode dropped uh, last weekend, uh, followed the Nash Hutmacher situation of him uh, transitioning and competing on the wrestling mat. There was some really good footage, an interview with Ty Robinson and the why for him coming back. Uh, and so really encourage everybody to, to ch check that out. I think it's 45 minutes long or so, but really well done really well produced it, it starts with signing day and kind of moves forward through the off season uh shows you again some of the behind the scenes things um that that go on from a day-to-day -day perspective so that's really that's really all that we have for nebraska football uh we do have spring practice kicking off in about three weeks uh the the guys will get a week break here for spring break coming up um i think that's uh that's a week away so they got one more week here of mat drills uh winter conditioning uh they'll go on spring break for a week they come back they have another week of strength and conditioning uh kind of reacclimation, if you will before then formal spring practices kick off um that'll go on <clears throat> excuse me for five weeks um accumulating in the red white spring game on april 27th where we'll get our first kind of glimpse introduction if you will to the the 2024 squad which will be really exciting so again kind of a short segment this week on nebraska football just part of what you know how the calendar falls we'll start to wrap up here in the next three or four weeks as we approach spring ball uh, maybe start doing some uh some some breakdowns of of position groups um, and again, we'll start to get some more behind the scenes information as we transition into spring ball here in the coming week. So with that, let's let's get into some Nebraska baseball news. Uh, we did get more. I kind of call them data points, right? There's so many games in baseball. So with each game, you kind of take, you know, little nuggets from each start to form an opinion of what this team's going to look like. And so when we met. Last Saturday, um, Nebraska was in the midst of a four-game series with Grand Canyon. They got the, the, the series open on Thursday, took the game on Friday. Uh, and, it, you know, to remind people, Grand Canyon was 4-0 coming into this four-game series. Uh, so Saturday, and, and I also mentioned on this show last week that I, was, I came into this series hoping for 2-2. Two and two. I wanted to get greedy at this point. We, we, we missed an opportunity the week prior, but I wanted to get greedy. Let's get one of these last two on Saturday, Sunday. Uh, they were able to do that, but it was a little bit scary. So Saturday, they got up 3 nothing early. Uh, not much went right from that point forward. Ended up losing 5-7. to seven. Uh, Come back to Sunday, who, which Will Bolt often refers to as Championship Sunday. Uh, they were able to secure the win 10-8. to eight. Uh, but it, it it wasn't as easy as, as maybe the score were to indicate. 
Uh, Nebraska was up 8-1 to one really early. Uh, Grand Canyon had several errors, missed fielding opportunities. Uh, Nebraska took advantage, went up 8-1 early. Uh, then they gave up seven unanswered runs, which uh, accumulated with a grand slam uh, there in the fifth inning, which allowed Grand Canyon to tie it up. Uh, not much happened the next few innings, but then Nebraska in the eighth was able to manufacture two runs, one by a pass ball and another by stealing home. Uh, bullpen came out. A uh, couple guys got on both in the eighth and ninth, but were able to shut it down. So Nebraska was able to secure that, that additional win that I was talking about last week. And this is going to be this 3-1 series victory is going to might not look like much now, but it's going to be big when we get to. Um, start thinking about RPI in late May, early June, and thinking about postseason play. So um, I know Grand Canyon on the surface doesn't seem like a big name. They were 4-0 coming into this series. They're back-to-back conference champions. They're a mature team. They're going to be in the postseason mix down the road. To take three out of four in their ballpark is is really big for Will Bolt's team. And so then we transition to this week. Uh, which was set up for another four-game series on the road at the home in Charleston, South Carolina, a College of Charleston. Uh, College of Charleston coming into this series was off to a 7-0 start, but really hadn't played anybody. I think it was Marshall, Youngstown State. Um, so kind of hard to, to understand or really surmise, I guess, the, the quality of the competition. Uh, Thursday night, though, uh, on, it wasn't Thursday night, it was Thursday afternoon, Nebraska was down five to one going into the ninth. Really hadn't done anything offensively. It was pretty pretty putrid overall. Um, we're able to scrap out a few hits, a couple walks, a big hit by Silva, and and we're able to tie it in the ninth. Uh, Perry came in, shut him down in the bottom of the ninth to go to extras. Uh, again, able to manufacture a run in the tenth, hit a, a leadoff double, sacrificed a third. Uh, fielder's choice gets the runner in. So we win, take that one six to five, uh, Friday, uh, last yesterday, uh, was actually canceled due to inclement weather. So this series was shortened from four games to three games, uh, Nebraska, a couple of interesting things here behind the scenes. I don't know how much this, this gets out again, it's college baseball, but Nebraska attempted to move up the start time of the game on Friday to get this one in, knowing the forecast from three o'clock on. Uh, College of Charleston said no due to class schedules. Uh, Then Nebraska shifted, tried to get a doubleheader in for today on Saturday. Again, College of Charleston said no because they have a basketball game on campus. Uh, And so with that little nugget and a couple other things that are going on behind the scenes, I don't know if hit hit the news so much, so I'm I'm not going to get into it. I don't think we're going to see Nebraska playing at College of Charleston anytime soon. Again, uh, just uh, some some weird developments there. So as we turn the page, this has gone from a four-game set to a three-game set. Nebraska's got the first one. We'll play tonight at 5 o'clock. I assume Brett Sears will get the start tonight uh, with, with yesterday's game being canceled. And then uh, we'll go in and play Sunday. Uh, Will Walsh, I would imagine. It'll either be Will Walsh or Caleb Clark. I think it'll be Will Walsh starting on Sunday now, obviously instead of Saturday, and then Caleb Clark will be available for long relief if if that's needed. Um, again, as we kind of break down the series, I was thinking two and two coming in. Really good quality competition again on the road. You get Thursday. 
uh, with Friday being canceled, can we win the series now, right? So, you know, get one up Saturday, Sunday. feel really good about tonight with Brett Sears going. He's been incredibly impressive in his first two starts. Will Walsh is, has been a little bit more inconsistent, but he's got the stuff to also uh, come out and provide a quality start on Sunday. So we'll continue to follow uh, Will Bolt's crew and, and see if we can get one of these last two. Uh, if we can come out of this with a two and one weekend or heck three, no, right. Um, it, again, thinking long-term RPI, uh, those types of things, postseason play. Remember last year, conference play wasn't the problem for this team. It was non-conference midweek games. And then the RPI was in the hundreds when it came to selection, um, selection time. And they just weren't even in the com in the conversation. So these non-conference wins are incredibly important when we start to stack up and think about RPI and selection uh, time coming up around Memorial Day. So we will continue to follow uh, Will Bolt's squad. Uh, again, a game tonight um, and then a game tomorrow afternoon in Charleston. Um, with that, let's transition into a couple of national storylines before we wrap up this week. Uh, we did talk about last week some changes coming to the college football playoff. Uh, we do we, we got more information on this uh, this week. Um, so just to recap, we talked last week. We do have an approved model now for the next two years, a five plus seven model. What that means, the top five conference champs will get an automatic bid. Top four conference champs get a first round buy. So. This is no longer a power five situation. It's a power four situation with the Pac-12 going away. So your top four, you know, power five conferences will get that uh, automatic bid. And then really the top G5 group of five conference will get an automatic bid. So that's why that's where the five comes from. And then seven uh, <clears throat> um, selections, if you will, um, or at large bids. Uh, with several of those coming from probably the SEC and the Big Ten, um, which which gets you to the 12. Top four will get a first round bye. First round games will be played on conference. Uh, I'm sorry, on school campuses, which I think will be really cool. But again, I want to go back to the point I made last week: is is Notre Dame? Like Notre Dame's got an interesting piece in all of this because. They are not eligible. Again, this is just the next two years, but they are not eligible for a first round buy in this model as they can't be a conference champ. All, while they play several ACC teams and they're in the ACC for other sports, they're not, they're, they're a true independent in football. And so they, the best they can do is be one of those seven at large, uh, which again, even if they're number one in the country, the at larges do not qualify for the top four spots. The top four spots, um, I'm sorry, the top, yeah, the top four spots are, they, they get first round buys, are by rules conference champions. So that's that's interesting. So this model is going to be in place for the next two years. But now here's where we got additional information this week. So the contract's up after 2025 and negotiations have been hot and heavy these last two weeks to set up what 2026 looks and beyond. Because you've got to get that TV contract in place, which appears to, you know, will continue to be ESPN. But they're they're looking at, I think at this point you can pretty much lock it up that it's going to be it's going to increase from 12 to 14 teams in 2026 and beyond um but here's here's what where the jockeying behind the scenes is the Big 10 and the SEC are really trying to push their weight around um and secure as many uh, automatic bids as possible to the 14 team playoff 
Last week we talked, they were pushing for four automatic bids per conference, so eight of the 14 spots. As you can imagine, the ACC, the Big 12, the Group of Five, everybody else has, has pushed back extensively on that. So this week where this is going or, or the current proposal on the table, I can't say whether this will happen or not, but the, we're, where we're at in the negotiations is the Big Ten and the SEC are pushing for three automatic bids but each of their conference champion would be given the first round buy. So under a 14 team model, you'll have two first round buys instead of the four under the 12 model. And the big 10 and sec are saying, fine, we won't take four automatic bids. We'll take three automatic bids, but give us guarantee that our conference champions get each of those automatic buys. So think about this from a big 12 and ACC perspective, maybe, you know, um, let's say Florida State, right? And the ACC goes undefeated again. Very impressive. They're the number one team in the country. Big Ten SEC beat each other up. They all got one, two losses. Florida State's the number consensus number one team in the country. Wins their conference. They get the automatic bid from the ACC. But in the contract, the Big Ten and the SEC have, have negotiated. They automatically get the number one and number two seeds in a, in a first round buy um, going in. So, Again, I, I'm not, I, I can't say that I see this passing, but the fact that it's being reported on the national level indicates that it's a, it, it's definitely something that's being discussed. Um, and I even saw one national writer say that this was pushed by the Big 12 and the ACC. The Big 12 and the ACC are saying, we're not going to give you four, we'll give you three, but to get you to say yes to the three, we'll give you this. Um, but then, under the current model that they're discussing for the 14 teams, the way this would break down, this is interesting now, Big Ten and SEC would get three each, so that's six. ACC and Big 12 would get two each, so that's four more. Um, and so they they would all get, uh, so that'd be 10 of, 10 of the 14 spots, automatic bids, and then the group of five would get an automatic bid to make 11. So you'd have 11 auto bids, three at-large bids, um, with the Big Ten and the SEC guaranteeing them spots in the first and you know the first and second slot or first round buys, so that's where we sit this week. These negotiations are going to continue in the weeks to come. Uh, they have said they want to lock this contract up within the next 30 days or so. Obviously, there's a lot of jockeying for position, and you got the Big Ten SEC pushing their weight. Another thing coming out of the Big Ten and the SEC is saying, why would we guarantee the ACC and the Big 12? two spots each why would we guarantee the group of five a spot into this so a lot going on behind the scenes the negotiations are fascinating where this thing lays i don't know where we end up i don't know um but it's fun to to, to follow in february march in the off season um obviously the big 10 and the sec see and understand their power within college athletics and are certainly trying to use that to their advantage so We'll continue to follow that. Uh, we could come back next week, and the and it's a completely different model than than what we just discussed and what we just walked through. The one thing that I think is almost assured, though, is this thing is going to go from twelve to fourteen um, under the new new contract. So fascinating stuff there with the with the college football playoff, and then the last national storyline. It appears a couple new rules are coming to college football, and I think I like all three of them. Two for sure. Um, helmet communication is coming. 
Um, so this will be this will look very similar to what you see in the NFL, where the quarterback, uh, the coaching staff has direct communication into the quarterback's helmet, and then one player on the defensive side will have most likely it's, it's generally like a middle linebacker would have direct communication uh, from the sideline in onto the field. And then you would also have the second rule that will almost assuredly pass is tablets will be allowed on the sideline and at halftime. Um, so both of those rules are long, long overdue. Um, you've got some of this technology being used at the high school and the prep level. Obviously, you've got it used in the NFL. Uh, college has been very slow to adapt. So I'm 100% in favor of those that should have happened a long time ago. And then the last rule that maybe gives some pause, some pushback is the introduction of the two-minute warning. So just, you know, exactly like the NFL, two-minute warning in the first half, two-minute warning in the second half gives the, uh, really the trailing team, if you will, an additional timeout. Um, I don't know how I feel about that yet. On the surface, I think I like it um, wherever we can make the rules as consistent as possible between the two highest levels. I think that's a good thing. Uh, so I'm going to save for now, but give myself some time to more time to think about this, that I think it's a good addition to the game. Um, I Two minute warning in the first half, even in the NFL, I just kind of went back and forth on and said it's not needed. In the second half, though, um, I think it's a good addition to the game. Keeps things exciting, keeps things interesting all the way till the end. Um, but I think all three of those are imminent. Uh, helmet communication, tablets, uh, technology on the sideline, and then the introduction of the two-minute warning. So um, some interesting developments for college football, some some good enhancements and advancements to the game overall, in my opinion. And I think there will be more coming in the coming weeks, but those three are, are almost assuredly to get passed and become official here pretty pretty quickly. So with that, we are going to uh, wrap up this week's edition of Big Red Huddle. Appreciate you taking time to listen. Again, we are on Twitter at Big Red Huddle or or X, I guess now as you as 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 they're calling themselves. Uh, BigRedHuddle.com is the website. We're on Spotify, iTunes, YouTube. Uh, please take some time, provide a rating, give us a thumbs up, subscribe, provide us feedback, interact with us on Twitter X. Um, and with that, we will see you and we will huddle up again next week. Go Big Red.